Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. All right, we're going to jump right in the words. Great to see all of you here this morning back from spring break. Glad that you were safe. Had a great time and uh, glad you're home. I don't know about you guys. I don't know what kind of morning you had. I came into my office, opened a piece of mail, and there it was with my name on it, $750,000. I have zero confidence that I can cash this check. Zero. Like nilch, it ain't going to happen. I am so thankful that God's Word is not like that piece of paper. Amen. Amen. He does not give us false promises or send us letters in the mail. (laughs) His word has been given to us. And this morning, I'm going to share a word that uh, in a lot of ways, I guess I will say that I'm going to share a word with you that God spoke to me. And you can either benefit from it or go, Pastor, I hope you get it. But uh, it was a word that really stirred in me over the last week and a half. And it's titled, Fully persuaded. Fully persuaded. Think about those two words for for a moment. In your walk with the Lord, the things that God has spoken to you, the battles that you have faced, the seemingly sometimes unanswerable prayers that you prayed, and you wanted this answer, and, and God's answer was over here, and so you you, you doubted and you weren't fully persuaded. But God in his goodness ultimately reveals to us his word, which is deeper, richer, greater than our understanding. Matter of fact, this last song we just sang, I asked Jamie a couple days ago if he would sing that. I was walking through my neighborhood in a prayer walk the other day, just worshiping the Lord, and I started singing this song. It's, it's one of those ones that have been with me since, oh, I was probably about six, seven, eight, nine in the little Nazarene church. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Little Baptist church, wherever you came out of. But I, I, I remember, you know, I'd go to Sunday school, and, and I tell you what, as a boy, I loved Sunday school. Man, we had high-tech flannel. <laughs> flannel. Storylines. We had little cutouts of, uh, of, of uh, Adam and Eve and Abraham and David and Goliath. Man, those things were powerful in my imagination. I mean, I could, just, I could just look at that little guy, David, grabbing his stone, man. And my, my little Nazarene Sunday school teacher, she was gifted to tell a story. I mean, she had me hanging right on the edge of my seat. Because, see, I'd already heard the story before, so I knew David was going to win. Isn't it good every once in a while to know the end of the story? Come on, somebody, that'll preach. And and, and after we would hear those stories, we'd go into our little church service, and we, we never sang more than two hymns, and we never sang the third stanza of any hymn. But, uh, man, there were a few songs as a boy, Living by Faith. Wow, that still sticks with me, page 195 in the Nazarene hymnal. Come on, somebody, I'm 64, almost 65 years old. That was a long time ago. Page 242, victory in Jesus. Come on, somebody. There is victory in Jesus. See, I just come out of Sunday school. 
And that little flannel David had just whipped David's butt, chopped his head off with his own sword. Now we're singing victory in Jesus. We would sing, how great thou art. Matter of fact, my brother-in-law, Bob Carter, I remember when he came in our little Nazarene church, I was nine years old. He was about 19, I think, or 20. I thought he was like 40. <laughs> old. Married my sister. I, I remember when I left home at, at 13, going on 14, and went to live with Cheryl and Bob, and I thought, man, I got to live with some old people. Cheryl was 22. <laughs> Bob was 23. I look back and think, what were they thinking? Let, I mean, I had hair halfway down my shoulders. <laughs> I was in need of something. But I remember Bob coming in that little Nazarene church and being given the solo in How Great Thou Art, his baritone voice booming that song out. I remember singing, Blessed Assurance. This is my story. You know, as a boy, I used to sing that song. This is my story. And I would think, well, it's not my story, but man, David had a story. Come on, somebody. Abraham had a story. Daniel had a story. My preacher must have a story. But here, you know, 54 years later, 55 years later, I can sing that today. This is my story. And he has been faithful. God has been faithful to his word. Blessed assurance. Jesus is mine. I've walked that. I've proved that. There's nothing anybody can do to convince me that God's goodness, his love, his mercy is not faithful. It goes all the way back to my childhood, stirring up that song of remembrance. This is my story. This is my song. Walking, not always faithful. Not always obedient, but man, don't you love the goodness of God and the mercy of God and that grace of God, that mercy when you mess up and he just reaches out and just pulls you back in and loves you. He doesn't take a baseball bat to your head. He lovingly convicts you and says, is this really the path you want to go? You counted the cost on that because if you have it, you need to. And when you slow down and stop and look and say, this is not what I want in my life. I want to get to that place where I am fully persuaded and live out my life. Yeah. So a few weeks ago, I ministered out of this word. How will God not do what he promised? That word, I hope, within you stirred some faith, some, some hope, some, some, you know, ability to overcome disappointments when you prayed certain prayers or asked for certain things and you didn't get it exactly the way you want. And yet you went back to Scripture, you went back to the Word, you stirred yourself to remember that God's ways are higher than my ways. God's Word is, is, is greater than my Word and some things I will not ever understand until I stand in His presence. And then I believe I will no longer see through a glass dimly, but I will see clearly. Amen. And I don't even believe, I'm, I used to think, I, I got a lot of questions when I get to heaven, but I think when I get to heaven and stand in his presence, the glass is no longer going to be dim, and I'm going to fully know what it is that I'm even wondering about. And I'm going to see the big picture of God's awesomeness. Say God is awesome. Come on, say God is awesome. 
Amen, amen. He is awesome and faithful. Well, I want to preach to you this morning out of Romans chapter 4. Uh, I only had five verses, and then I read the whole chapter a couple times, so uh, now I'm going to read you most of the chapter. Is that okay? All right, whether you like it or not, you're going to get some word this morning. Romans chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. And in this story, you're going to find out this one simple principle. God is faithful, and Abraham got a hold of God's faithfulness, and Abraham was justified by faith. Now, I don't have time to preach it, so don't even try to draw it out of me, but faith without works is what? Is dead. So you got to understand the balance, the combination, the beauty of faithfulness and faithful works. All right, starting with verse 1, Romans chapter 4. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham our forefather according to the flesh? It's a question. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as what? Righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds, come on somebody, are forgiven. How many of you just pause for one minute and say you are thankful to God that your lawless deeds have been forgiven? Let me see your hand. Amen. I am thankful. Tom and I were playing golf Friday and we were talking about this word and I was kind of practicing preaching on Tom, this word that I was going to bring this morning. But we were talking about our sins and sometimes, you know, uh, something you did a long time ago just creeps back up in your memory and it's so ugly and nasty and, and, and you just feel like you want to repent all over again. But the problem is if you've already made that thing right with God, come on somebody, when you go to God with that, he doesn't know what you're talking about because he's already forgiven you and what? you and cleansed you from every form of wickedness. Somebody ought to shout amen to that. See, once we are forgiven, we are forgiven. He said, well, that ain't how it happens in my marriage. <laughs> we're not talking about your marriage here. We're talking about a marriage with Jesus Christ. You're still working on your marriage, but you don't have to work on what God's word says about you. He takes your sin, rolls it up, tosses it as it's Baseball came out of that word. You know that, right? God took that thing and threw it as far as the east is from the west. Now, I don't know why I always point to the west and start out, well, he forgave you from the east to the west. But, but so he threw it to the east, and he's never going to remember it again. It's forgiven and forgotten. So how do you change your perception of your past? Anybody know that's a question? Just shout it out. The word. See, the, the Word is the only thing that's going to change you and take you from condemnation to there is therefore now no condemnation to those who walk in Christ Jesus, who live by the Spirit and not after the flesh. So when that Word tries to creep back up, that memory tries to creep back up, that attitude tries to creep back up, that, that, that sinful nature tries to creep back up, you have to speak the Word. God's already declared it. He's waiting for you to make a declaration. 
Wow, that's good whether y'all getting it or not this morning. It's powerful. There is now no guilt or shame or condemnation because I have been forgiven. Now, that's easier to preach up here than it is to walk out when some of y'all got some nasty past. But Paul said it this way. Look, I was chief among the sinners, least in the kingdom, but I thought I was doing right. So I was out killing folks like y'all until I had a revelation of Jesus. Went from killing you to being you. I mean, so much so that the Israelites, the Jews, the, those in the temple, those uh, converts, they were fearful even to allow Paul into their midst because they said, we remember that guy. Yeah. Right, right. He held the coats when they stoned our friend, our cousin, our brother Stephen to death. He held their coats and agreed with it. Until Jesus. Yes, come, on. come on, somebody. Until Jesus showed up in his life. And then everything changed. And God forgave. You don't see Paul anywhere in any of his epistles going back and going, guys, I'm sorry I was killing y'all. Nowhere in scripture. Anybody know? Any theologian in the room can tell me that Paul spent any time going back and rehashing what he did as a sinner. No. Because his life began at the blood, at the cross, when he was healed, delivered, and forgiven of every sin and of his sin Nature. I got to get on back to the scripture. What verse was I in? Verse, what? Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord, whoo, I love this, will not count his sin any longer. Why? Because he doesn't see it. Because you've been cleansed. Anyone in this room today, anybody watching online today, it's good to have all of you watching online but if you're sitting in this room, you're watching online, and you do not know Jesus in a personal, intimate way. You're sitting in church, but you're covered in your sin. And it's all you can think about. How bad you are, how unworthy you are, how wicked you are. Or maybe you don't think that way at all, but you is. <laughs> he is lost. Jesus is here this morning knocking on your heart's door with an invitation. Don't you want to know what your purpose in life is? Don't you want to know the love of Father who created you? Aren't you tired of trying to find something in the emptiness of what the world has to offer? Let's see, every one of us that are walking with the Lord today, we're not here because we're perfect. We're here because we're forgiven. We're forgiven. That's the, that, that is the key word in the kingdom of God. Key word in any church, key word in any marriage. You're going to stay together, you learn to forgive. You learn to be forgiven. But his blood cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Verse 9, is this blessing then only for the circumcised or also for the uncircumcised? For we say that faith was counted to Abraham as righteousness. How then was it counted to him? Was it before or after he had been circumcised? It was not after but before he was circumcised, you see, he received the sign of circumcision as a seal of the righteousness that he had by faith, by faith, say by faith, by faith while he was still uncircumcised. The purpose was to make him the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that the righteousness would be counted to them 
as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised who are not merely circumcised, but who also walk in the footsteps of the faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. These next few verses, the promise, Abraham realizes the promise can only come through faith. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherence of the law to those that adhere or follow the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void from works. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. You remember I confessed a week or two ago about my indiscretion with uh, the speeding signs with my wife on a date heading home and I deserved judgment and the Lord showed mercy through a very nice state trooper. Nine o'clock at night. I had, I had by the law transgressed. Speed limit's 45. I'm doing 66 when he clocks me. Thank God he hit the light as soon as he clocked me because I might have been going 75 in another couple of seconds. I was tired, didn't feel good. See, I can justify it all I want. I've been all day. It's my wife's birthday. We're celebrating her. We went out of town. We had dinner. I was trying to be a good husband. I was blessing her. But now I'm tired. My back hurts. It's already past my bedtime. Because in the last couple of years, I have become like Pastor Ron and Mama Hyatt. Well, not Mama Hyatt, because she's in sleep before the sun goes down. But, but I'm right there close behind. 8.30, man, I'm, I'm showering, getting ready for bed, brushing my last tooth. I got my, I got my, last night I passed my wife. She just looked at me. She said, head in the bed. I could hardly keep an eye open. It wasn't even near 9 o'clock. But here it is on her birthday. It's 9 o'clock. We've been gone all day in the little convertible. The sun's been cooking. It's hot. I, I'm tired. And I break the law. If I could sing, I'd sing that song about breaking the law, the law, but I just leave it at that. But he had every right to come down with judgment, but he blessed me with mercy. God has every right to judge every one of us, especially when we want to adhere, oh my goodness, to the law. Want to make the word of God law. The word of God's all about relationship. Jesus prayed and said in John 17, Father, that they, say I'm one of they, that they may know you as I know you. You're not going to find Jesus anywhere but in a personal relationship. Even the word's going to take you back to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You know, there are millions of believers around the world today that have never had the privilege to open up the Bible. They don't even have a Bible. They know John 3.16 because Jesus came to them in a dream and revealed that he loved them. He didn't say, now you go get the right book and you get the right verse and, and you meditate on that and, and, and I'll reveal. Now, the Lord will reveal himself to you through his word. But it's always back to a personal relationship with him. I can't imagine trying to live for God by the letter of the law. Anybody here besides me ever sped? Just, if you drive, just raise your hand. The rest of you, Father, just forgive them. They know what they're saying. And 
They just don't have the guts to do it in front of their fellow believers. But everybody sinned. There's no, there's no law that we can keep. But for his mercy brings us back to that personal relationship so I don't have to try to strive by the law to do this. Verse 13, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through law, but through the righteousness of what? Of faith. Verse 14, for if it is the inheritance of the law who are to be the heirs, then faith is known, the promise is void, for the law brings what? Wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed. Say guaranteed. Guaranteed to how many of his offspring? All of his offspring, not only to the inheritance of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now I'm getting to my preaching notes right here. Romans chapter 4, verse 17. Y'all stick with me. I'm going to read through this real quick. But I'm not reading out the ESV now, so you got to hang on to your britches. You, I'm, reading out the, I'm reading out the King Jimmy version, King James version. you got to go back to the 15th century to get a hold of this, all right? So here it is, verse 17. As it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations. God speaking to Abram. Paul's writing about it to the church at Rome. Before him whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth, in my notes right here, it's got those little red dots that drive you nuts, you know, under the word. Because you misspelled this. This ain't a word. But it's right out of the King James Word. I'm, I'm not lying to you. Look at here. I got red all right under that word. Quickeneth the dead. And calls those things which be not as though they were. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. What in the world is Abraham talking about here, his old body and his old, old lady's body, his wife's body? I mean, they're old. He confessed it. We're old. But God said, you're going to be the father of many nations. And Abraham's going, I think God's been in the sun too long. <laughs> I mean, either, either Abraham had to doubt or he had to believe. And he looked at his body and he went, whoa, I got to see this. And Sarah, when she heard it, you know, she's standing at the tent, hiding behind the tent, watching Abram, uh, her husband, talk to God. And she hears what God says to him. And she goes, <laughs> now that's a good one. God came down and gave my husband a joke. Because he said, you're going to have offspring. Look at the sky. See if you can count the stars. Look at the beach. See if you can count the sand. Hmm. Verse 19, and being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. When he was about a hundred years old in the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God, though, through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Now listen, a few days ago I was out Again, having a prayer walk. And Holy Spirit asked me this question. 
concerning where you are, what you're walking through, what the reports are, what the facts are, what do you believe? So I'm walking down the road having this conversation with Holy Spirit. Folks, hear me. If you haven't learned to hear the voice of Holy Spirit, you really need to learn how to pray in the Spirit because God is always talking. It's not, it's not like he's out here in an outward voice. He's in here and he's speaking to you through his word that you have saturated your life with. You see, it's one thing for me to stand up here and preach the word to you and say, you need to get this and you need to get that. It's a whole other thing to stand up here and declare this word. And this is what God is saying to me. And before I can stand in faith believing with you for it, I got to find out, can I stand in faith believing for me? Because someone else's word, Kenneth Copeland's word's a great word. It's just not my word. Come on, somebody. Andrew Walmack's got a great word, but that's his word. That's not my word. See, you got to hear Whatever it is you're going through, whether it's marital, whether it's financial, relational, you're in this world where you're fighting craziness and you got crazy people all around you, what are you going to believe? So for me, I had to go back 28 months ago when Suzanne came to church for the very first time after I was diagnosed and told to stay home, your immune system's compromised, can't be around anybody, anybody that breathes on you is going to kill you. You know, you, you hear all this stuff. And so here I am, y'all are at church worshiping God, getting ready for one of the pastors to bring the word. And I'm out walking the road by myself. Not a fun place to be. Sitting at home watching you guys Celebrate the King of Kings from the TV. Oh, it's a good, it's a good thing when you're hospitalized or you're, you're really sick and you can't come. But it is no substitute for being in the house of God. There's no substitute for being with a family because so many things happen when we gather corporately to pray, corporately to hug each other. There's something about when believers hug one another. The enemy tried to get us to stop hugging. Keep your face all masked up and keep breathing your own nasty breath and don't breathe it on anybody else and all these things. And it's not of God. It's been proven now. We know it. There's something powerful that takes place when brothers embrace brothers. Pray in agreement with brothers. Stand in agreement. Know what you're going through. Hear me. Listen, I got a word for you. Sisters, hugging on sisters, loving on sisters. God declared to Abraham, and he said, I've made thee a father of many nations. Abraham is 100 years old. He's old. He doesn't deny he's old. He doesn't say, woohoo, I got a word. Now I'm a spring chicken. He's still 100 and old. Sarah, his wife, she's old. They don't reject that. They're, they're not saying, well, I'm not old. No, what they're saying is, I'm old and God's about to do something. Right. I'm going through this situation in my family and God's about to do something. I'm going through something in my marriage and God's about to do something. I'm going through something in my finances and I'm going to obey God and God's about to do something. You see, Abraham believed. So I'm walking down the road and the Holy Spirit says, do you believe? 
And as I meditated on that for a moment, the greater word came and, and he said this, are you fully persuaded? This was 28 months ago. And I'm walking down the road. And I said, God, I do not believe for a moment that this sickness is going to kill me. This disease is going to stop me from doing what you have called me to do. And I heard the clear voice of Holy Spirit say, you're going through this. But I'm going through it with you. And when God says you're going through it, that means there's an entrance point. Come on, somebody. And there's an exit point. That means you might go in, but you're coming out. That means that no matter what the enemy throws against you, the middle of the battle is not the end unless you quit. He said, I'm going through it with you. And I can tell you, Suzanne and I were talking about this yesterday on a ride. I said, honey, I'm fully persuaded that multiple myeloma will not be the victor in my life. God's Word is greater than that disease. Abraham came to that place where he believed God. 1 Corinthians, Paul says in verse 27, chapter 1, but God chose what is foolish in the world. Say foolish. To shame the wise, God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. What does that mean? When God speaks to you and you look like my marriage cannot make it one more week, you don't quit. You don't give up. You turn your battle towards the Father. You fight the enemy. You learn to fight in faith, not against each other all the way to the divorce court. No, no, you learn to fight with each other for that marriage that God gave you 20 years ago, 40 years ago, 60 years ago, six months ago. Greater is he that's in you. When you get the word and you begin to say, this is what I believe. Verse 18 Abraham, who it says in the King James Version, who contrary to hope in hope believed. He was convinced and he put his hope. I mean, seriously, guys, we look at this story, we read this story and we go, oh yeah, Abraham and Sarah, they were, they, they had a, you know, amazing, miraculous conception and she gave birth and then boom, he gave birth and then boom, two went to four and four went to eight and eight went to 16, 16 went to 32 and 32 went to 64 and before long, bam. You can't count all the children of Israel. How many children we got in the house? All of us. If you're a child of God, you're a child of Abraham. That's why we learned that song. Come on. Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. So let's just praise the Lord. See, I know a bunch of y'all just got saved. I was like, I don't even know how long ago that song got. I mean, that was like, that was like my childhood, the Assembly of God days. Went from the Nazarene to the Assembly of God. Learned that song. But we are children of Abraham. We have every right that Abraham had. Listen to this, verse 20. It says, he staggered not at the promise. He didn't stagger. He didn't lose hope. God said it, 
and his faith was strong. Verse 21, in the King James Version, it said Abraham was convinced that what God had promised, he was well able to do. Abraham was fully persuaded that what God said, hear me, what is it today that you're going through? What battle in faith are you walking through that you have wavered, you've doubted, you, you want to believe, you go to, you go to bed with just the word and you're confessing, you, I, I believe, and then the next morning you wake up and your emotions say, <laughs> that ain't going to ever happen. Do you get up and continue to fight? Or is the enemy going to win today? See, I believe when the Holy Spirit asked me, are you fully persuaded? It wasn't for just a moment. See, here we are in 2022, still reading the story of Abraham, who was fully persuaded, and we're going, wow, Abraham did it. But, 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 but reverse that thing about a year or two before Abraham gets that word from God, and you see an old couple. I mean, my daddy died at 99. He was old. My daddy said, son, on his 99th birthday, he told me this, son, 90 years went by like that. I, I remember as a boy this, and he started telling me stories of, of with him and my Uncle Cecil and Uncle John, Uncle Bill, things they would do as teenage boys. And he told me about going in the military, him and his brother uh, Cecil, my, my Uncle Cecil and my dad together in war, World War II. And, and my uncle became a pilot and flew under General MacArthur. And my dad, going through what he went through in the army, coming out with PTSD that they didn't know about way back then, dealing with issues. When he met my mom, how he married my mom, why they got divorced, and then why they got remarried. Then he told me why they got divorced again. Then he told me why they got married again. I'm not making this up. This is facts. My mom and daddy married and divorced each other three times, had seven kids in between. And on my 50th birthday, I find out that my mom actually had another son. And I was born on his birthday. Seven years after he was born, given up for adoption. See, sin mess up your life. My mom carried the scars of that with her to her death. But my dad declaring at 99, life flies by. I wish, son, that I'd had this. Most humbling thing my dad ever said to me in my life. He said, son, if your mom and I would have had a pastor like you that taught us the truth when we were young, we would have never divorced the first time or the second or the third. Our lives would have been different. Can't do anything about the past, but here we are, 2022. We can do everything about today. What is it that God's wanting to work in your life today? What is it that he's trying to bring about? He wants you to walk in victory in. In just a moment, I'm going to have you to stand. Worship team's coming. I'm going to invite the prayer team in just a moment. And we're going to take a few minutes to pray over you, to love on you, to encourage you. You might not be walking through what I'm walking through, but, but then again, I'm not walking through what you're walking through. But until you are fully persuaded, 
You want to make sure that you're bringing every one of those issues, those things that are keeping you from saying, God, I believe. I believe. I believe. Sometimes you have to say, Father, I believe. Help my unbelief. Help my unbelief. God, I want to believe greater. I want to be like Abraham. I want to believe fully persuaded, not wavering in my faith. But if you're not there yet, ask God to help you. Because you know what? He's here to bring victory in every person that's sitting in this room this morning, every person that's watching online, everybody's going to listen to a podcast this week, has the opportunity to say, God, I'm ready to go on to the next level in you. I want to get this thing settled forever. That what I'm going through, you're going through something physically. Hear me, some of you have been told by doctors things and you've not really shared it with anybody. And that thing weighs on you and it is heavy and you're trying to figure it out. God has an answer for you. His word has already been declared. What we have to do is to get that word in us. In us. See, I don't know, I don't know to what degree or what level the Lord might tell you to walk something out, but for me, I've got two tools besides the Word of God, and they are the Word of God. But I have this sheet of paper, two pages, both sides, up and down. 101 verses where God proclaims that healing is for today, it's for my life, and it's an answer if I can get a hold of it. And it no longer just rests on this paper, but it becomes live in me. Last night, I'm going to bed. I'm trying to sleep. I got my wife's pillow on top of my head because my wife is walk, doing her prayer walk. Come on, honey. Can't you go outside and do your prayer? She's doing her prayer walk all around the house. And, and the more she gets into her prayer, the louder she's getting. And I'm saying, thank you, Jesus, but I got to go to sleep. It's 9 o'clock. And she's walking around. She's confessing this word over some of you. I heard some of your names being called out by my wife. She's confessing this word over her sister. She's confessing this word over her life. She's confessing this word over me. And I have this little book. It's called God's Creative Power. It's got all kind of amazing promises of God's word. And I declare these. Some of y'all have to get a hold of a word that will save your marriage. I know it looks hopeless. But my God is the God of hopelessness. And he's able and willing to save and redeem and restore. My God's the God of healing. His word is settled. Do you understand that? God's word is settled. You say, well, I haven't seen anybody healed. We've seen tons of people healed. We're, walk, we're walking testimony in this room right here. I can start calling out people that had stage four pancreatic cancer that are healed today. That had breast cancer that are healed today. God uses whatever means and method that your faith will gravitate to and grab hold of. Sometimes he just speaks the word and sometimes he speaks the word through a doctor who prescribes a medicine that some doctor in a research lab might have been praying over saying, God, give me the wisdom to come up with this pill that will help children get well from leukemia. You don't think that's God? That's God. 
That is God. God shows up through someone who speaks a word to you, someone who prays for you, someone who comes, someone who writes you a word in the middle of the night, just sends you a scripture and says, I I don't know, I was praying for you and the Lord put this word in my heart. And you read that thing and it, bam, it becomes life. It just lights up. I wrote my sister-in-law scripture last night. Said, I was praying for you since right before I went to bed. Just, Just felt this word. This morning I woke up to a text. She calls me G. G, thank you. I needed that. How good is that? How good does that make you feel when you allow God to use you to speak a word to help save someone else, encourage someone else, stir someone else? Would you stand with me this morning? I'm going to ask you please not to leave for just a couple minutes. We're early. We haven't even been together for an hour yet. I don't even think the Holy Spirit shows up until we've been together for an hour. So so he's about to show up in a big way right here, right now. I want to invite the prayer team to come. Jamie and the worship team will lead quietly in some worship. But hear me this morning. Your need is not my need. Your neighbor, the person sitting beside you, their need is not your need. But whatever it is, if you are not yet fully persuaded that God will, hear me, God will. His word is everlasting. His word is faithful. His word is true. One of the things I love the beauty of even our prayer team, if you've watched over the last couple of weeks, some of them, when they have a law and there's nobody standing in front of them, they got a need. So you, you, you'll see them go over to somebody else, get prayed for. We all have need of one another. And today, I want to encourage you. Don't walk out of here heavy burdened, heavy laden with something that God is well able to meet right here, right now. I'm going to invite you in the congregation, first of all, please don't leave unless it's absolutely necessary. Your bladder's about to blow. You probably don't need to come to the front. Go to the bathroom. We'll be here when you get back. But otherwise, let's wait on the Lord. Let's invite his presence right now. Maybe you don't have a need today, but one day you will. You want somebody staying in agreement with you. And we're here for that today. So just lift up your hands before the Lord for a moment. Father God, Thank you for your word. Thank you that you've called us to live fully persuaded in your word and that it will indeed come to pass. And so today, Holy Spirit, we invite your presence here this morning to love on us, to minister to us, to convict us of of righteousness, uh, to convict us of sin, to convict us, Father, of the things that have, have hindered us from from being in that place that's right with you today, Father. For anyone in this place that doesn't know you, I pray as we just open up these altars, invite them to come that today, Lord, you will work in their heart in such a way that they will say, today I want to know Jesus. If you don't know him today, he desires to know you, to love you, to reveal his love to you, to forgive you of all of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And to set you on the path, the course of life that will forever change your life. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And we invite you right now in this place to show up big as we stand in faith for those that have a need. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.